Welcome to Trojan Talk. This is episode 54. It's been a long layoff between episodes. I think it was the football season the last time we had a recording, but we're finally back, better late than never, and just in time for the main high school basketball tournament, which we'll get into quite a bit on this episode. We'll have a guest interview with Brandon Vitiello, who's a senior here at TA. He follows a lot of it, so we'll talk to him about the tournament that's coming up next week, but we're going to start with, of course, the Super Bowl and the Chiefs winning 25-22 to over the 49ers this past Sunday. Patrick Mahomes, his third Super Bowl ring in his young career, only 28. Um, I, w- I just want to get your thoughts on the game as we start off here. His third Super Bowl, he's inching closer to Tom Brady, not quite there yet, but how close do you think he could get once his career is over and your overall thoughts on the game? Well, I, I mean, I think we all learned as a country, you just don't bet against Pat Mahomes. I mean, they were a one and a half point dog, and it just—I was like, why are they? Why are they down? And and you know, we just saw he's a winner, just like Tom. And you know, I think at the end of the day, he's going to get really close. I mean, Tom had six with the Patriots, and then obviously a seventh with Tampa Bay. Um, he's only twenty-eight. He's got you know really going into the prime of his career. Mm-hmm. So I don't see why he couldn't catch him, if not surpass him by age 35. Well, I mean, yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that Mahomes established himself as he he's in a complete tier of his own. It is Patrick Mahomes, another tier, and then every other quarterback in the league. He is completely on his own. He can carry a team like no other quarterback in the NFL. The only guys who can remotely be considered in that that kind of category where it's like they can single-handedly win you games. It's like, you know, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, there are a couple others, but the problem with, I mean, Joe Burrow can't stay healthy at all. Josh Allen, yes, he does have the potential to single-handedly win you games, but he can also single-handedly lose you games because mm-hmm. he has these turnovers that cost the Bills, like, an entire game, their season, potentially. Mahomes doesn't make those same types of mistakes. Just like Tom Brady, he can he can come through when it matters the most. I mean, I definitely, these past two years, I've rolled the Chiefs out. Their, receiver, their receiving core is junk, so... I mean, the, on paper, it didn't seem like they should be able to compete after losing Tyree Kill, but they've won, they're have they 7-0 in the playoffs and won two Super Bowls since Tyree Kill is gone. So Mahomes is a beast. There's no doubt about that, but catching Brady is definitely going to be tough. I mean, you need seven Super Bowls to tie, eight to pass him, plus Brady is 2-0 and against Mahomes. So that little ripple, too, is going to be kind of an argument point for for those who are arguing Brady over Mahomes. I think it's crazy how much they've literally remade the Patriots. Mm -hmm. They have the best Mm -hmm. quarterback of this generation, the best tight end of this generation, the best coach in Andy Reid, and then a defensive mind in Spagnuolo who he's already, I think he was a head coach before and didn't – And didn't With have, the Rams. Uh, yeah, didn't have a ton of success. He's not going to go out and interview for another job. He's content to stay where he is. Like most of the time, when you have a defensive coordinator like him, he's going to be plucked by some other team. But that doesn't seem to be the case with Spags. He's just there year after year. I think he's won four Super Bowls now. Now as a defensive coordinator, so it's unbelievable success. Which is crazy, but I mean, it's just I almost feel for the people that hated the Patriots all these years, and I just. The Chiefs are kind of procrastinators. You know, they had that meltdown on Christmas Day against the Raiders. Yep. It didn't look good at midway through the season. And then even in this game, it was kind of like a Super Bowl 53 between the Patriots and Rams all over again for the first half. The first half, 
the Chiefs were completely bottled up on offense. But once the fourth quarter rolls around and you know Mahomes needs a drive, he's going to get whatever he needs. Yep. Like whether he needs three, he needs they're down by four, or he needs a touchdown to tie it, you know he's just going to will his team to win. You saw it on the fourth and one. They put the ball in his hands. I don't know why the Niners would think it would go to anybody else in that scenario. Mahomes picks it up with his legs, gets it to go, and the Chiefs end up winning. It just felt even though the game went to overtime and the Niners were up by 10 at a point in the first half, it just felt like you always knew who was going to win the game. So I definitely feel for all these people that have hated the Patriots for so long. Um, but I want to get into the losing side of it, the 49ers. And there was so much controversy about Kyle Shanahan taking the ball out of overtime. His theory was, well, if both teams score, then we get the ball third and go down and are able to kick a field goal and win the game. Yep. I don't think you think – you should you should be thinking that far ahead. I think you think about the first two possessions first. And anybody that watches college football knows that in overtime you take the ball second and react to what the other team did because mm -hmm. like think about the Chiefs on that fourth and one. Yep, if they the 34. Had, if they had gone first, they probably would have punted, but yep. they knew that they needed points, so they went for it and got it and eventually won the game. And then I think I the Niners shouldn't have admitted that they didn't know the overtime rules. I think that's absolutely crazy. I mean, me as a fan knew it. How do the players on the field not know it? So. I think some of those players are just trying to play blame game at this point. Honestly, right. they're saying like, oh, well, our coaching staff didn't prepare us for the game, you know, and trying to take deflect off of their own performance. So to me, though, it's like, like you said, though, it's like you should never say that publicly, though. It just makes you look silly, too. It's like no one's telling you what you don't. You can't learn the rules your own, too. That's the other thing. And it's kind of pointing fingers at your coach, which is yes. kind of a bad look, too. It's like, oh, no, it was – because it, it's the coach's responsibility to inform the players. Mm -hmm. So if the players are saying they weren't informed, it's like they're, oh, Kyle Shanahan's the reason that we lost. It's almost like the players are saying that. They're blaming oh, yeah. Kyle Shanahan. Yep, they so are. <laughs> it, yeah, it's a bad look, for sure. I can't wait to see more of these overtimes going forward in uh, the postseason when both teams get the ball because there was some confusion about the clock. And I believe, I heard that it's basically like the start of a new quarter and you would get the ball at the same place. Yeah. So I don't think the Chiefs would have had to score before time ran out. That was a little bit confusing to me, but I think I think we have that cleared up now. Um, and also, another interesting scenario is say the team gets the ball first, goes and scores a touchdown, kicks the extra point. If the second team responds by scoring a touchdown, do they go for two? Because if you just kick the extra point, the next team just needs to kick a field goal and they win. So right. you, you might as well, if your offense is rolling, go ahead and try and win the game right there because mm -hmm. then your defense would really have to make a stand and not even let the other team into field goal range. So I think there are a lot of different strategies that you can um, deploy here in this new overtime scenario. Do you have any thoughts on that? If you were the team that like scored a touchdown second, are you going for two? No, not, not in the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm not Dan Campbell. <laughs> maybe, maybe the Lions would have, but no. I mean, in that situation, it's like there's just too much at stake. I mean, again, even you, though you, you have to see the, only needs a field goal when they yeah, get the ball back. Yeah, I mean, you have to see the game flow. It's like, you know, I have to say, like, well, how's my kicker doing? You know, what's his confidence at in that moment? I mean, teams usually have a good feel for that. It's tough to just play it on an analytics-only perspective. You know, I think at the end of the day, you have to have a little bit of a feel for your team and their, you know, personality in the moment. Mm -hmm. And you also have to keep in mind who your quarterback is. If my quarterback's Patrick Mahomes, I'm much more comfortable going for two than if I have Mac Jones or <laughs> Bailey Zappi. You know, I... It, it, that's definitely something you have to think about, and and going back to kind of what we were talking about with Shanahan, I don't I agree with you. I don't think you should be thinking too far in the, into the future to have like, oh, I want the ball third. When you're give, when you're especially when you're playing Patrick Mahomes, I know this is like the Patrick Mahomes show now where we're all like, oh, he's the greatest thing or whatever. But <laughs> I mean, if you're going up against Patrick Mahomes, you do not want to put yourself in a position where he has four downs to beat you. 
if he has four downs, all he needs is a touchdown, and he can end your season and win the Super Bowl. I mean, I don't like those odds when I'm playing against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, you mentioned looking too far ahead in the future, and I completely agree. I think you just focus on those first two possessions and team goes down, what do I need to do to respond to that? I mean, that's how it works in college, and I think Kyle Shanahan should have um, used that. I don't think they lost the game because of it. Obviously, they had plenty of chances in the red zone. Purdy missed a throw, I think, at some point there, so they ended up having to kick a field goal. But wild game, Chiefs win again. It's going to take a lot for them to really match. Because the Patriots really had two dynasties. There oh, was they a, did. Yeah, there absolutely. was a break in between. And even the break, they made two Super Bowls, but unfortunately lost both to the Giants. Yep. But then came back and won um, four, three or four. Yeah, three, three out more, of four. Three, yeah. three more in from Super Bowl 49 to 53. Yep. So it's going to take a lot for them to do. They really need the longevity. But they are certainly a dynasty. There's no doubt about it. Um, let's transition to some local sports and talk about Thornton Academy Hockey, who has the best record of any of the winter sports teams here on campus, or I shouldn't say on campus. The Biddeford Ice Arena is where they play their home games. Um, they sit at 11-2. and two. However, they're only fourth in the Class A standings. That's because some teams have played more games against them, and um, to be honest, they haven't played as tough of a schedule as some of these other teams. Uh, part of that is they have, were supposed to have two games against Bangor, who's the number one team right now, already played. But um, due to various reasons, both of those games have ended up being postponed to some point in mid-February. So those will be some big chances to get some heel points. Um, but I want to ask, with players like Jake Marcotte and Brady Bacora, and then two new additions to the team, freshman Brennan Tabor and then Nick Downing, who transferred in, this team seems to be on a roll. Do you, how confident are you in a back-to-back -back ring for this team? I mean, I, I would say in Class A, it seems like this year, it's very wide open. Um, yeah. I, I think they have as good a chance as anyone. You know, certainly, like you alluded to perfectly, Cole, the, the bit, two Bangor games being postponed. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, I'd like to space them out. It sounds like it's going to be a little congested at the end of the regular season. They're going to have to get those games in for seeding purposes. So, um, you know, th that will be the real litmus test for this team. They've had some ups and downs, you know, 11-2, and two, great mark. Um, but, yeah, certainly, like you said, they haven't faced the uh, the media schedule, so to speak, on paper so far. But, um, you know, winning 11 out of 13, I don't care who you're playing, that's still pretty significant. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're more than capable of getting it done. I know hockey sometimes can be kind of like who's hot at the right time if the goalie's on fire. I know mm -hmm. the bean pot was last night, and uh, and BU that BU against Northeastern for anybody who didn't watch, but BU seemed like they were playing a better game than Northeastern almost the whole time. They were mm -hmm. like dominating time of possession. They had way more shots on goal. Uh, but Northeastern still won because they... Good thing Mr. C is not here. Yeah, don't, don't mention that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, it, it can be a little bit fluky at times and who's hot and stuff, but they're definitely more than capable. They're a good team, so... Yeah, their signature win is a 2-1 win over Falmouth, who they play once again this Saturday. Um, they have some other tough games coming up. They have St. Dom's at one point, um, and like I mentioned, Bangor twice. But uh, Jake Marcotte leads the team with 21 points. He's uh, top 10 in Class A in that mark. Brady Pecora has 16. And I say top 10, which you think, like, TA is arguably the best team in Class A. Wouldn't they have somebody top 5? I think it's because they spread around a lot of the goal mm -hmm. scoring. And Nick Downing has really had a breakout year for this team as their third leading point getter. And uh, Brennan Tabor had a pair of goals, I believe, in uh, – 
I think it was their most recent game. It was against Scarborough at USM. Yep. So good to see the freshman getting involved. Um, and I think Drew Johnson has established himself as one of the best goalies in the whole state, which is so huge for them. Uh, they had Porter Krause last year. Johnson was kind of the 1B, and now he's the guy, and mm-hmm. he's he's had a great season. So TA hockey team's rolling. We'll see how they do come playoff time. Now we'll transition to basketball, and this part will be more TA-specific. We'll get into statewide when we talk to Brandon in just a second. But TA boys basketball has not been having the great greatest season they went on a 12 game losing streak however they were in a lot of those games and they could have won a lot of them but they snapped that in the final game of the regular season against Bonnie Eagle Wyatt Benoit went off with a 43 point double double he shot 74 percent from the field in that game just ridiculous and I think he had 11 free throws as well so Troy I'll start with you they play South Portland in the quarterfinals this Thursday a team that they got swept by in the regular season but both games were somewhat close what are your thoughts on that game and how do they upset the Red Riots on their home court well, I mean, yeah, it certainly hasn't been the most ideal season for the boys. I mean, 12-game losing streak is obviously difficult. I, they've been a little bit sloppy at times. They've, they've been a little bit passive. Um, but, I mean, if you have a guy like Wyatt Benoit that has the ability to drop 43 points on efficient shooting, I mean, they can beat any team. If you're, if you're, if you're hot, you, you can beat any team. So they, they'll definitely have a chance, no doubt about that. Yeah, um, I know. I think the biggest issue for the team, and I've seen most of their games this year in some capacity, whether it be live or online, uh, you know, they, they just don't have a consistent, you know, three point threat. You know, they don't really space teams out great on the offensive end for themselves. Um, obviously, Wyatt's a great athlete, great score. You know, he finds creative ways to score, which is great to see. Uh, we just need to, you know, maybe get a little bit more creative. You know, you'd like to think that hopefully someone here in the next few weeks for this playoff run, if they can go on one, uh, can get hot, you know, from shooting. You know, even if it's just an elongated two, you know, just have that threat there. That's obviously going to allow Wyatt to get a little bit more lane to drive as well and that's his strong suit uh but again it, it's tournament time you know at this point you know it's it, everyone's zero zero as we like to say we'll pull out the cliches here but you know i think ta played sopo really well in their two games in the regular season you know i think yeah. this is going to be a contest on thursday yes it's at south portland yes it's going to be busy and loud there um but you know i think ta uh is, is probably quietly happy that they drew sopo here in the quarterfinal last time they played it was at south portland ta went into the half of a nine point lead and unfortunately gave it up fairly quickly in the third quarter but if if they can play like they did in the first half of that game they could pull off the upset I think the key for them is rebounding defensively Mm. they can't let South Portland get second and third chance opportunities I broadcasted a game for WHOU with South Portland versus Deering Darius Johnson is kind of South Portland's third option he had 21 or 20 sorry rebounds in that Mm. game 11 of those were offensive rebounds he's a machine on the glass and they're going to have to contain him Mm -hmm. and not let South Portland get offensive rebounds if they're going to win this game um, and then the girls, they play as well on the road. It's not really its not really a secret that it's been a disappointing year for them. They came in expecting to be one of the best teams in the whole state, regardless of class, if not the best. Mm. But they failed to get a home playoff game. But again, bring out the cliches. Every, everybody's <laughs> zero and zero. They could go out and beat a Sanford team that they beat twice in the regular season, and they still have good players in Emma Lazat. I know Addison Sulikowski's um, questionable. I don't know if – I think Kyla Lampson should be back. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard that she was going to get cleared at some point in the past week or so. So we'll see who they roll out there. Um, 
but we'll see uh, what happens against Sanford and a team that I think they could beat. Yeah, I think, you know, kind of like what we were just saying with the boys, it's like they just need one more guy to really get hot here and, and catch fire just to help out Wyatt and the rest of the team and just kind of facilitate things. I think the return of Lampson, if she can come back, is going to be that same spark plug for the girls. You know, she's a dynamic point guard, had an unbelievable freshman year last year, perhaps one of the best you know freshman years out of anyone in the state of Maine. Um, and they were obviously looking at her to be that point guard and that facilitator this year. And it just didn't, you know, obviously due to injury did not happen. Um, and I think that was obviously part of the equation of them having a disappointing season. Season. But, um, you know, they certainly have some of the most talented players in the state. You know, obviously, Sulikowski, if she can go, Lampson, if she can go, and obviously, Lazat is perhaps one of the best centers in the state. Um, they, they have the pieces there. It's just a matter of putting it together here in a, obviously a short amount of time. But same thing as the boys. You know, I think they're probably quietly happy that they pulled Sanford, who, as you said, they beat twice in the regular yeah. season. Yeah, like you said, I think getting Lampson back would be massive for them. Spark plug offensively, no doubt about that. Point guard, facilitator, all those things. Uh, they've, we've mentioned that they've struggled a little bit with their depth. So getting a piece like Lampson back to help out the offense, help out the entire team, mm-hmm. she's one of those mm-hmm. people, just overall helps the spacing of the court, and I think it would go a long way uh, for them if Lampson comes back. We'll get into this some more with Brandon, but I think if you look at all the quarterfinal matchups out of A, boys or girls, north or south, this TA Sanford game is the biggest toss-up. Because TA won twice in the regular season, but Sanford is the higher seed. They've had some impressive wins there. They've got some seniors that are looking to finish out their career with a playoff run, but so does TA with Sulikowski and Lazat. So we'll see how it goes. I think um, you really saw Lazat in attack mode against Bonnie Eagle in TA's last game of the regular season. So I think if they can just feed her the rock and if she's as aggressive as um, she was in that game, then TA has a good chance. I listened to the, uh, the Big Time Hoops podcast and Coach Abby, who does a great job on there, was saying that he told Emma after the game, if she can play like she's 22 points away from a thousand every night, <laughs> they'll be they'll be ready to go. Yeah. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that game plays out. But we're gonna take a quick break and be back with a Maine high school basketball tournament preview with Brandon Vitiello here on Trojan Talk. All right, we are back here with a special guest interview. Brandon Vitiello now joins us on Trojan Talk to talk about the Maine High School Basketball Tournament. Let's just start with this. How excited are you after such a wild basketball season to finally get these playoff games going? Um, very excited. I think Maine basketball in the last couple of years has really grown, and there's a lot of attention, even without stars like Cooper Flagg and J.P. Estrella. I think just the excitement for high school kids in even regular adult fans, everybody just really loves the February vacation high school tournament. So what we're going to be talking about, we're going to take it region by region. We're going to start with the boys, talk about double A South, then we'll move to double A North. Then we'll move into a little bit of class A South as well. Cause we follow a bit of that too. Uh, and then we'll talk about the girls class, double A North and South. So starting with double A South and we'll talk about the Gorham Rams first. What have you seen from them this season? They're the number one seed in the South. Ashton LeClaire is looking like a main Mr. Main basketball um, candidate, Gabe Mishu, Caden Smith, great players. But the thing about them is that they have underachieved historically in the playoffs these last two seasons, haven't gotten out of the quarterfinal rounds with, with this core that they have. Do you expect more of the same this year, or do you think that they can get over the hump and put together a run? Um, I think this team, more than last year's team in particular, is more built to go on a run. It's hard for me because they really rely on shooting, the three specifically. They don't drive a lot, a lot of kick-out threes and. I think if they're hitting the threes, nobody in the south, and I don't even think anyone in the north is going to beat them, but uh, they had a loss of Chevers this year where I 
It's on uh, Twitter. They shot 14% from the field and like 10% from three. That's just not going to cut it. Um, obviously, no, excuse me. Obviously, Ashton Leclerc, I think he's the best player in AA. He can light it up. And I think this year with Witten off the bench and uh, Griffin Gammon down low, they have like more options other than just relying on the three. I pick them to win, but I don't know if I'm comfortable. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get into the state final picks later. I don't know. I just, I'd say I think they can go on a run, but I don't know if I'm confident in them. Yeah, I agree with that. I think there could definitely be a day where they get to the cross insurance arena and don't shoot very well and go home early, but they could also hit and go on and win a state championship. So Scarborough, the number two seed in Class AA South, but the number three seed I think is really interesting because it's the the defending champs, um, and they started out the season with five losses. They were 0-5, but they've really rallied to pick up a home playoff game led by guys like Gabe Galarraga, who's a talented guard, uh, or sorry, Gabe Galarraga is the big man. Manny Hidalgo is a talented guard. Um, but a guy like Darius Johnson is somebody that's really come along this season. Yeah, I think uh, South Portland, they started on 5 you said. They've won five of their last six. They had a 30-point win to end the regular season at home against Sanford. Yeah. Um, I think Hidalgo, he's the shiftiest guard you're going to find. Spin moves, drives, layups. He can hit the three. Galarraga, I think he's the best big man in double-A. You said Darius Johnson. I think you called that game against Deering. He yeah. had like 20 rebounds or something yeah. crazy. He's come on, Gabe Jackson and Tom Maloji, big pieces. So I think I always knew Kevin Millington has his team ready to play in February, and this year's no different. Do they have the star power of years past? No, but can they go on a run? Absolutely. Yeah, and they're they're a good team, but I don't think they have like the upside of years past with Jalen Jackson and JP, of course, like you said. Uh, the rest of the quarterfinals, the 4-5 matchup is interesting. Usually that game is somewhat of a toss-up, but I actually think that the lower seed in that game has a big advantage. I'd be pretty surprised if Sanford, coming off of a 30-point loss to South Portland, is able to beat a Deering team that's knocked off teams like Gorham. They've had uh, Evan Legassi, who's one of the best players in all of AA South. What are your thoughts on that game? Um... I was I was written down that I had there was a rebound year for Deering. You know, they've struggled in many years past, but Evan Legassi, I think he might be maybe like an MVP, like the best, most valuable player to his team. And yeah, I said at thirty after the thirty point loss to Sopo, I don't think the mental state um of Sanford is gonna be that good. Makai Bougie averages fifteen and ten, so he would have to have a big game for them to win, but I picked Deering to win that game. And then the rest of the quarterfinals, TA versus South Portland. We talked about South Portland. Scarborough, Bonnie Eagle, those two had a double overtime battle just a couple of weeks ago. What are your thoughts on the Scarborough team? Uh, first, do you think they'll make it out of the quarterfinals, and what do you think their ceiling really is? Ceiling, I mean, I guess ceiling is the state championship appearance. I don't think they can beat Gorham and then a Chevrolet or a Portland. Um, I think they have, they have solid in, you've got, Seniors like Liam Jeffords and Liam Garrapy, and then a young core in Carter Blanche and Spencer Booth. I think that Bonnie Eagle gave them a real test, but that was in Standish. I think at home it should be an easy win for Scarborough, and I don't know. Maybe they can get past Gorham, but looking ahead, I don't know. I think their ceiling's probably an appearance in the state championship. Yeah, I agree. I don't. Even, I wouldn't even say appearance in the state championship. I don't really see them beating Gorham again, or not again. They haven't yet. But now let's move to the north. And if you haven't been following all year long, the south has been kind of Gore at Gorham and everybody else. But in the north, it's three teams that have really stood alone. It's been Wyndham, who's the one seed, Chevrolet, the two seed, and Portland, the defending north champion, is sitting at number three. Which one of those teams do you trust the most, and which one do you trust the least? I trust Portland the most. Uh, Kevin Rugabirwa and Pepito Niragamisha, they have both started guards last year for Portland when they made a state championship appearance. 
Cordell Jones, big transfer from Gorham. Uh, he's been big for them. Drew Velo has emerged. I trust them the most. I They play at the Expo all the time, big uh, big arena, and I think that that big game environment, and then the least, it has to be Wyndham. They have a great record. They faced adversity, but they've had, had to come back from double digits against a pretty poor Lewiston team, and then a buzzer beater against Oxford Hills. I don't really know. They don't have any experience. But Oxford Hills beat Portland. I don't know. I just think... I don't trust Wyndham personally, and they also were down to EL late in that game too and had to come back. So I think that if they have an off night, they could go down to anybody. I actually had the same exact thing as you. I trust Portland the most, despite them getting swept by Chevrolet in the regular season. The one thing that they did that Chevrolet didn't do is beat Wyndham, and I just think that Portland's game translates to the tournament the best. Joe Russo likes to dial up the defense uh, a lot at this point in the season. As you mentioned, Ruga Birwa, Gira Magisha. They have Jesse Thomas down low, who was the best player player maybe in the whole tournament he won the like outstanding player in the AA North last year Um, and people love to talk about their defense that's the first thing they'll bring up but they also have three of the top 10 scorers in double A North in uh, Drew Veyu, Kevin Rugabirwa and Jesse Thomas so I think they're a good offensive team as well Wyndham's gonna have to prove it they were kind of the breakout team of the season surprised a lot of people people expected Chevris and Portland to be good I don't think they really expected Wyndham to be good so we'll, we'll see if they can prove it on the big stage I think they're a good team but I think they'll probably fall in a regional final game but we'll, we'll have to see um and then oxford hills and edward little are kind of the two teams that have been pegged all season long as <coughs> teams that could potentially pull off an upset oxford hills beat portland Ever- edward little almost beat chevris what are your thoughts on those teams do you think it's a foregone conclusion that it's going to be portland and chevris in the semifinals or do you think one of those teams could? i lose? think it's a foregone conclusion for a simple reason you have five players on the court at a time and i think that well uh um, Oxford Hills has Braden Murch and Carter Holbrook, solid players, and Holden Shaw. And uh, Edward Little has Marshall Adams and Eli St. Laurent. You need five guys on the court. And I don't think that those four or five guys that are in their rotation, even if you have a six-man on the bench, I don't think they can compete with Portland or Wyndham or Chevris, and I just don't see them pulling an upset. I could. I mean, Edward Little is maybe the best coach team in AA with Mike Adams. Yeah, he's a great coach. They've got senior leaders. That's the thing. You look at a team that has seniors that have been there before. Guys like Marshall Adams and Eli St. Laurent, they played on the team with John Shea a couple years ago, so they've seen basketball in Maine at the highest level. Um, I think Edward Little could pull off an upset. I don't really see Oxford Hills doing it, but if I had to pick, I would definitely go with Chevris and Wyndham to escape the first round, and of course, Wyndham won't even have to play because they have a bye. Right. so let's make some picks, and we'll get into our picks for the other regions once we get there. And I'll bring in Troy here. What is your state championship prediction for Class AA, and who wins? Uh, Thornton Academy. Not. Uh, I, I think, yeah, Portland Portland for the north. I, I would agree with that. And for the south, I'm going to say I'm gonna say Gorham. I'm going to say Gorham and Portland. I have Gorham and Portland, too, but... I'm not so confident on that. I kept flirting back and forth with Gorham and South Portland for the South. Um, but I think Gorham will get there. And then Portland, their experience at the uh, Civic Center, I just think Chevris hasn't really had success there. And then obviously Wyndham didn't even make the playoffs last year. Yeah. So they just don't have experience. If it gets to a 3-4 point game with a couple minutes left, who are they going to turn to? And I just don't think that those Tyree James, A.J. Moody, 
I don't know if they have it for Wyndham in a big game. Wow, so we all picked the same three, but I'll give you something else just to just to change it up. I think that Gorham will win the South <coughs> just because I don't really trust any of the other teams. I don't think yeah. South Portland has the firepower that they've had in years past. Um, their role players are, I don't want to say underwhelming because they do a lot of good things, but I don't think that they can have a spectacular game to beat Gorham in the postseason. At Scarborough, they're a solid, they're a really solid team. I just don't see them beating Gorham. So Gorham comes out of the South. Out of the North, I would have said Portland, but to switch it up here, I'll go with the team that we kind of broke down Wyndham, we broke down Portland. I'll go with Chevres, the team that beat Portland twice in the regular season. Leo McNabb is a baller, and he can pull up from anywhere on the court. He's a great ball handler. Um, and I think that the guard duo with him and Sammy Ziamana, Ziamana is that true point guard, a distributor, and Leo McNabb is a great shooter um, and can really separate off the dribble as well. And Jamison Fitzpatrick. I was going to add him, yeah. He's he's had a great season this year. And Geo McNabb missed that Portland game, and Chevers was still able to come out with a win. So it shows how well-coached they are. And um, I think they really took advantage of Portland's mistakes, a couple technical fouls and just some disciplinary issues for Portland. Um I know you called that game, and I saw that Jesse uh, didn't get any position down low for Portland. So I think Chevris. He was in foul trouble. Oh, he was in foul trouble. Okay. Yeah, so um, I'll go with Chevris. But interesting that neither of us are very high on Wyndham because I know a lot of people are. They are the one seed, and um, they beat Portland. They beat Chevris. So we'll see how it goes. Um, And now we will move to Class A, so a step below Double A. And just talk about the South because that's kind of in our area. This is a loaded class, which is why I wanted to talk about them. Um, we've got Gray New Gloucester, the number one seed. Falmouth is the two. Noble, the three. Freeport, the four. I'll just start on this. I've been high on Falmouth all year long, and they've been my pick to win Class A. I just think Chris Simons is such a good player. He's almost like a Joel Embiid-type player, the way he's like quick in the post. He can also pass the ball, shoot it. And I think this is kind of a revenge tour for Falmouth because – Two years ago, they would have won it. They had a stacked team, but they ran into Cooper and Ace Flag, and nobody was going to beat them. That's just a spe- special scenario when you're playing the best player that's probably ever going to come out of the state of Maine. And then last year, they lost on a game-winning layup by one point to a Brewer team that was very strong. I think they're due for a championship. They're maybe the best coach team in the state with Dave Halligan, um, and I think that Chris Simons is a star that you can build around. Noble's a great team. They're flashy. They've got Jameer Rose and Bryce Guitard, two great guards that can handle the ball for them. But I think they're still a year away, and I'm going with Falmouth to win this region. Okay, so the North is ab- or the South is absolutely stacked. Yeah. I think there's a bunch of really good teams with star players on it. G&G, everyone's been going crazy about them. There's a bunch of stuff on Instagram, posts and stuff about them. They're flashy, but if you look at them, they don't have any they haven't had any success. Everyone's like talking about the trio with the Heberts. Nate Heber, I think he's one of the top guards. And then they had that Johnny Pattonode transferred from Poland. They are the one seed, but their first game of the year, they played Falmouth and got 20-pieced. So I think that kind of shows a disparity. I don't know if Falmouth has the talent they've had in years past, but as you said, Simon's in the post. He's unstoppable. We saw it when he played TA. He just picked apart the defense. And Billy Burks, 10 points a game. He's uh, the point guard, and I think... That'll be enough. And then Jameer Rhodes, I love him. I think he's – I personally think he's the best player in the state, regardless of class. Wow. He's averaging 21 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists a game, which is incredible. But, yeah, they're still a year away. Overall, they don't have any other real pieces besides for Guitard. Yeah, Falmouth isn't the flashy pick. And like you said, uh, Granny Gloucester and Noble have been getting a lot of the hype. But I right. think that Falmouth, you know, they beat Noble. They beat Granny Gloucester. Um 
and I think they're a battle-tested team, and I think they're going to win it despite not having as much talent as last year, as you said. And they were able to make a run last year with Simons right. on the bench hurt, uh, but they don't have Judd Armstrong anymore, and I think Simons is going to be that guy this year for them. Um, so let's One make... team to walk out, uh, watch out is Kenny Bunk with Theo Powell. I know, uh, I, know you, I know you love Theo yeah, Powell. Well, because he can dunk really yeah, well. Yeah, he's, he's the best dunker in the state. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he really has much of a team around him. I know they have that Cole Perkins kid, but they're, we'll, we'll they're see. They're sleeper. We'll yeah. see. I think they're the five seed. I believe so. So they'll Freeport. play Freeport in the first round. I think they could win that game. Freeport is a little – they started off the year well. Um, They've lost like four or five. Yeah. So picks for class – we'll go class A overall. I know Hampton and Mount Blue are kind of the two top teams in the north. Um, I got Hampton Academy coming out of the north, Zach McLaughlin. This is like his legacy year to cement yeah. himself. Um so I got him coming out of the north and Falmouth in the south. But Falmouth's just a different animal down here than Mount Blue or any other teams up north. And so Falmouth, I have them by double digits. We made the same pick twice. Well, I guess I technically went with Chevers on the last one. But I agree. Falmouth, as the two seed, will come out of yeah. Class A south and then Hamden Academy in the north. But we'll see that Evan Sterling guy from Mount Blue is pretty good as well. Mm-hmm. So um, now we'll... Actually, let's talk about the Mr. Main race before we get to the girls. Just want to touch on it real quick because we have limited time. But um, your your favorites for Mr. Main basketball? Um, personally, no one cemented it in my book. I still have it up as a four-way race between Zach McLaughlin of Hamden, Ashton LeClerc of uh, Gorham, Chance Mercier of Ellsworth, and Pierce Walston of Orno. None of them have... Really cemented it, in my opinion, but I think this year's no, postseason No Carter success. Galley? I do not have him on my list as top four. I think— Strength the, of schedule? Strength of schedule. I mean, some of the teams that they play, it, the, the garbage time points, I just don't see that. So probably my favorite right now would be Chance Mercier, but if Zach McLaughlin can lead Hamden to a state championship, then he might go ahead in my book, or Ashton, depending on what happens with Gorham. Yeah, I mean, it's a big debate as to whether or not it's a four-year award, but I heard Travis Lee say it's kind of up to the voter as to whether or not you want to make it about just the senior season or all four years. Um, I also think it's a four-way race, but I would swap out Walston with Carter Galley, which is interesting because there's only three finalist spots, and so one of those four guys um, is going to get left out. And I I think McLaughlin will win it, especially – well, we'll see who wins state championships. Right. Like Chance Mercier, if he wins it, and LeClaire and McLaughlin don't, then I think that he could probably win it. Can as we well. point out that Gabe Galarraga and Chris Simons were left off the semifinalist list, and I was kind of shocked by that. I was very shocked by Simons because I had him in my top five at one point yeah, this season. There's no way Galarraga. That's debatable, but yeah, there were definitely a lot of snubs mm-hmm. and some guys that I don't, I don't. It, it was Sam a, Calder, Monmouth Academy. <laughs> we don't need to call anybody. Yeah. But, okay, um, now we'll switch to the girls, yeah. and AA South has been unpredictable all season long. Gorham seems like the safest pick right now. South Portland, a young team that nobody expected to be where they are. They finished as the number two seed and swept Gorham on the season, but I think they peaked a little bit early. I still think Gorham is the safest pick to come out of this region. Uh, I agree they're the safest pick. I don't think – they definitely don't have the highest ceiling overall, but they're the safest pick. Uh, Ellie Gay was – I think she was a – Double-A South Tournament MVP last year when they upset TA in the regional final. Julissa McBaron leads Sanford. There's Caroline Hartley with Scarborough. And then that young core, a lot of freshmen and sophomores with South Portland and obviously TA. I'm picking TA to come out. Wow, um, of the whole of the region. Of Double-A South. I think, well, this is all dependent on Kylie Lampson's health. If she's not healthy, (laughs) if she's not healthy, Gorham is easily going to beat them. But if she's healthy, I think they come out of the South 
Um, they just have too much star power as, for the other teams. As much as I want to pick TA, I think we've seen who they are at this point in the season. They don't have depth, even if they have the three stars healthy. healthy. And I know Tsulikowski has been dealing with some sicknesses, so we'll see if she gets just back. Just you wait, Cole. Somebody's going to emerge. Yeah, just, Somebody's going to emerge. Wait. I'm telling you. I don't just know. I don't, I don't see it happening. But um, Scarborough, they have not really proven to be able to beat Gorham. So I, that kind of rules them out for me. So I'm going to take the safe pick on this one and go Gorham out of AA South. Um, and the North, I mean, it's been Chevris and everyone else. It's been such a dominant season for Maddie Fitzpatrick and company. She's really cemented herself. We know she's going to win Miss Maine, but she's cemented herself as one of the all-time best players in, in Maine in recent memory. Oh, in recent memory, I think there was Allie Clement and Macaulay years back had won four Class A championships, and people always talk about that Sydney Blodgett girl who went and played at UMaine, but she's obviously one of the best players uh, that Maine's ever had for girls. I think Chevris is probably going to win. I think it's going to. I actually think it's going to be close in the regional final yeah. with uh, Oxford Hills, probably yeah. single digits. Because they got uh, three-point shooter Tristan Derenberger back Yeah, and Oxford injury. Hills came within four points that of Chevers yeah. and almost beat them. So, And then Ella Pelletier, I, she's a stud. So I think that game will be close, but Chevers has too much. I would be surprised if Chevers loses, but I wouldn't be completely shocked. I mean, they went 18-0, so if you beat them, it's automatically like the upset of right. the tournament if that happens. Um but, I mean, Ruth Bowles is such a great second option next to Maddie yep. Fitzpatrick. She's taken over some gains as well. Megan Dearborn's a great three-point shooter. Anna Goodman and Rachel Feely round out the starting lineup. I've been able to see a lot of them this year with the WHOU broadcasts. And so uh, they're definitely a wagon. And um, finished off their season last night against Portland, 18-0 and season. Um, so I think it'll be Gorham and Chevris in the state championship. And... This is going to sound like a little bit of a hot take, but I think Oxford Hills has a better chance of upsetting Chevrolet than anyone in the South does. Oh, so. I know that's. I don't think that's a hot take at all. I easily think the Ella Pelletier is. I think she's much better than any of the stars of the South teams, and if she can get hot, maybe drop thirty or something in a big game, they easily have the best chance to upset Chevrolet. So I'm going Chevrolet over Gorham in the state championship. I'm going Chevrolet over TA in the state championship. Troy, you got a pick? Uh. Yeah, I mean, I'll go Chevrolet over Gorham as well. All right, so let's see. Is that it? That is it, it looks like, for our tournament preview. It's going to be an exciting time. Should we've, be exciting. Yeah, we've got some games at the Expo, the Cross Insurance Arena, and I'm expecting a lot of upsets because parity has been an all-time high this Absolutely. year. Do you have any other thoughts as we wrap up? Um, I just think it's going to be a really exciting tournament. I didn't. I know you guys, before I came on, talked about TA. I think they could be really intriguing with Wyatt if he can yeah. – score a lot of points, so they might be big. I just think it's going to be a fun tournament. I'm going to spend a lot of time either at the insurance, across Insurance Center or uh, at the Expo in Portland, and I think it's going to be a fun week. All right, let's send it back to the regular Trojan Talk. All right, we want to thank Brandon VTLO for coming in and previewing what should be a very exciting Maine High School basketball tournament coming up here this next week. Uh, and that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Trojan Talk. Uh, be on the lookout on our social medias for some possible live streams, especially the boys hockey team is going to have some games coming up that we could possibly live stream. We don't know which exactly we're going to do, but be on the lookout for that. And thank you all for watching and have a great day.